Making Sense of Money, a podcast dedicated to making financial concepts easier to understand. I'm Andrew Pellegrini, one of your co-hosts. My other co-host, Nikki Giancola Shanks, is off today, but we are joined by some returning guests, Anne McKinley and Alan Sorcher from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. And for those of you that may not have heard Anne and Alan speak with us before, Anne and Alan, can you introduce yourselves, talk a little bit about what you do with the Securities and Exchange Commission and kind of disclose anything that you want to up front? We are providing our remarks today in our official capacities, both with the SEC's Division of Enforcement and the SEC's Office of Investor Education and Advocacy. Our remarks do not necessarily reflect the views of the commission, any of the individual commissioners, or any other members of the SEC staff. Thanks, Anne. I'll just jump in first and then let Anne introduce herself officially. So I am an assistant director in the SEC's Office of Investor Education and Advocacy. And it might help to give some quick background, uh, Andrea, on the SEC and what it does, and then talk about my role, which my role is kind of small compared to the SEC. So starting big, ending small makes probably make some sense. So as many of you may know, the SEC is a federal agency headquartered in Washington, as most federal agencies are. And we have 11 regional offices throughout the country all the way from New York to California, and of course, stopping in the middle at the Chicago Regional Office, which are where Ann works. All of our offices play key roles in what the agency does. We have a three-part mission which Congress gave to us when they created the agency in 1934. It's to protect investors, two, maintain fair, orderly, and efficient markets, and three, facilitate capital formation. And the protecting investors is really, really key. It really underlies everything that we at the agency do. It underlies everything that I personally do and that I do as part of my physical capacity, and I'm sure Anne would agree, it underlies all that she does as well. The SEC accomplishes that mission by administering and enforcing the federal securities laws, by overseeing brokerage firms and investment advisors, and re- reviewing the filings by most public companies. Companies, My office, the Office of Investor Education and Advocacy, or um, as we say for the shorthand, OIEA, responds to complaints and inquiries from investors. You can call in and I'll give the number later or email us if you have a complaint or question, and we have investor assistants who respond to those. And then secondly, my office provides educational programs and materials. The way we get our educational materials out there is through our uh, website, investor.gov, dedicated to and focused on individual investors. And the other way we get our, our educational information out on investing is by doing this, going out and talking to investors and the public across the country. And that's where my role comes in. I assist my office, OIA, in its mission to inform and educate investors on frauds and other information relevant to investing in securities. Uh, and I do that by working with a team in our headquarters and our regional offices with people like Ann to coordinate investor education events across the country to students, both high school and college, teachers, military, veterans, underserved communities, older Americans or seniors, of course, and other investors. And with that, I will let Anne introduce herself. Thank you, Alan. I'm an assistant director in the SEC Chicago Regional Office, and I'm with the SEC's Division of Enforcement. As Alan mentioned, Part of the SEC's role is administering and enforcing the federal securities laws. So that's where I come in. The Division of Enforcement investigates 
and litigates a wide variety of potential securities law violations. This can include things from insider trading to misconduct by your individual broker dealer or investment advisor or misconduct by public companies such as accounting or financial fraud. And then in kind of my secondary role, I also assist OIEA and Allen with outreach to investors and help to co-chair the Chicago office's military outreach group. Thank you so much, Alan and Anne, uh, for joining us today, for all of your work advocating and fighting for individual consumers and investors across the U.S. And something that I forgot to mention when I introduced you both to our listeners is that you're here today to talk about World Investor Week, which it, when we publish this will be going on in October. But Alan, do you want to talk a little bit about what World Investor Week is, how it originated, and kind of what its purpose is? Sure. Andrea, first of all, thanks for letting us do this and get the word out on it. And, and it does help spread the word on how important investor education and investor protection are. So World Investor Week has been around, I think this is the seventh year. It's a week-long uh, global, and I do mean global, campaign promoted by, and here's another acronym for you, I apologize, IOSCO, which stands for the International Organization of Securities Commissions. And so that is an organization which the SEC is a part of, and many countries that have securities commissions are also a part of. So World Investor Week was created by IOSCO and now is being promoted by them and securities regulators like the SEC on six continents. And of course, as I sort of hinted at, the reason is to raise awareness about the importance of investor education and investor protection and to highlight the various initiatives that securities regulators are going to be doing in these two critical areas the first week in October. So World Investor Week is technically October 2nd to 8th, and what we at the SEC will be doing events in recognition of World Investor Week really the weeks before and the weeks after. And I will say that although World Investor Week is really an important way to get the message out on investor education. We at the SEC focus on investor education and protection every day. And so World Investor Week is another way that we can sort of get the word out, but it is part of our daily focus and job responsibilities. So what's going to happen in October? IASCO and the securities regulators that are part of it across the globe and other IASCO members will provide a range of activities during that week plus investor-focused communications and services, organizing workshops and conferences, and conducting local or national campaigns in their own jurisdictions. World Investor Week offers a unique opportunity for regulators like the SEC across the globe to work in collaboration with all investor education and protection stakeholders at both the local and national, international level. So it really is a time that we can go a little bit beyond what we normally do. We normally are not coordinating with regulators across the globe too much, but this allows us to really go beyond it, emphasize and get out there how important investor protection and education is. So Andrea, I hope that's a good snapshot of World Investor Week. Thank you so much, Alan. Obviously, with the name having word world in it, this is that global initiative that you're really expressing. Can you tell us what some of the specific events or global objectives around this awareness effort are that the SEC is focusing on? You mentioned doing 
events both before and after that October first week of October. Obviously, this podcast episode is one of them, but I know you have a lot of other irons in the fire. So what are some other things that investors can look for? So World Investor Week and IOSCO are focusing on, they give us three main themes to, to focus on, and they are one, investor resilience, two, crypto assets, three, sustainable finance. Other themes at IOSCO are promoting uh, cover frauds and scam prevention, the basics of investing, uh, technology, and digital finance. For the SEC, our focus will be on investor resilience. So that means a risk-appropriate, long-term, diversified investment plan and how that can help investors with whether changing economic conditions and market fluctuations. Secondly, we're going to be talking about our public service campaign that we have been running for the past seven years. And this year, our focus was on never stop learning and focus on older Americans uh, principally and the risks that they face in investing. And technology and digital finance, as as Biosco will be focusing on, and that means that in today's fast-paced nature of investing. There are new tools and technology, but it's necessary to take the time and do the due diligence when investing, even if you're using the newfangled technology. Um, We also think it's particularly relevant to be aware of the importance of planning for life's unexpected challenges. We've seen how the market can be volatile, why that's important. Uh, And then also in how investing for the long term in times of uncertainty and market volatility are important and always important to keep that in mind. As far as our target audiences for this year's World Investment Week, they will be underserved communities, first-time investors, older investors or seniors, military, teachers, colleges, and students. That's my snapshot for that, Andrea. Thank you, Alan. I do have, because our podcast is geared towards kind of novice learners, novice investors, and something that we have historically talked about you and I on some of our investment education collaborations is market volatility. Do you want to describe what market volatility is for someone who may be new to markets since that's a theme that you're talking about? Yes, market volatility is when the market has a significant drop uh, or it could be rise, but obviously the, the drops that are significant. And we've seen this happen in recent years because of the pandemic. Uh, after that, because of uh, inflation, it's really when the market has a large reaction to events that are going on in the world. And it actually you know, could be almost anything. It could be geopolitical, like the war in, with Ukraine and Russia. No one can predict how volatile the markets are going to be, but they are. And so Our message is, in terms of putting information out to sort of help investors, is that you have to have a long-term approach. You have to have a plan that incorporates a diversified investment structure so that all your eggs aren't in one basket. And so what that gets you is that it allows your portfolio to withstand and hold up throughout the ups and downs of the market. So one example might be if you were someone who put all your portfolio into one stock and that stock were to take a big dive, your portfolio would drop down significantly. If on the other hand, you took a diversified approach and invested either in many stocks or in many mutual funds, you'd have a more diversified holding, meaning you'd be holding many different mutual funds or many different companies. And if one stock took a big dive, 
it would have less of an effect on your overall portfolio. Does that help, Andrea? Yes, thank you, Alan. I think that these are there's a lot of concepts that we talk about being educators in this particular field that we kind of skim over sometimes. And since we're targeting novice investors, underserved communities, people that may be new to investing, talking about the market volatility as a risk and that there are lots of resources to learn through investor.gov and some of the collaborative events that we have planned and have done in the past, that's probably helpful to some of our podcast listeners. But kind of shifting to the advocacy aspect of things, and since you work in Chicago, are there any more localized efforts for Illinois or Chicago that are unique for your team supporting World Investing Week? So we currently are planning some targeted outreach events during World Investor Week and kind of in the weeks surrounding it. Our office does a lot of targeted outreach to seniors, teachers and students and the military, which means we work with different organizations to set up an event in a particular place at a particular time for their constituents. But we do a lot of work with libraries in and around the Chicago area. And actually, we cover a large region, basically covering the entire Midwest. And so we're able to pretty much go anywhere. We can do virtual presentations. We can do in-person presentations. And so we're happy to schedule something if anyone listening has any other ideas for outreach in the state of Illinois or around the state of Illinois, we'd love to hear from you and would be happy to try to set something up. You can always reach us in Chicago at our general office email address, which is chicago at sec.gov. And we'll make sure to put that contact information in the show notes for any of our listeners for any of our fellow educators out there that are like, I would love Anne or her team to come to my class or my library. I know that the American Library Association has partnered on lots of financial education events nationally, Money Smart Week, World Investor Week. So if you are a listener and you're like, I really need to listen to someone in person or talk to someone in person, you might look at your local library to see if they have an event scheduled for financial education. How does the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, contribute to investor education and protection throughout the year, not just during World Investor Week? Well, I'll jump in on that, Andrea. And as I said, really, it's an everyday focus of people in the SEC. So people in my office, uh, the Office of Investor Education Advocacy, we are focused on investor education and protection every day. Obviously, there are other parts of the agency that are focused on uh, related things and maybe not investor education, but I know, you know, AN obviously and our division of enforcement is focused heavily on on protecting investors by going out and bringing actions against those that violate to us. Let me just quickly talk about how we focus on investor education. Some of it's a little bit what I touched on earlier, and that is that we actually have investor assistants, a group of investor assistants in our headquarters who take questions by phone or email from the uh, public. That can be a question on on anything. It, It could be what is an annuity, what is an option, or it could be that they are having a problem with their broker or investing professional. And on those kind of things, we actually 
make sure that the investor gets a response from the firm, but we don't get involved to determine what the outcome of that complaint is. We just make sure that the firm is responding to the complaint of the investor. And the other part of what we do is really creating investor education programs and materials. And as I mentioned, uh, the main way we get that information out to the public is through our investor.gov website. Anytime we put out an investor alert, if we see some kind of emerging fraud, or if we see there's an issue with a crypto asset, or for instance, during the pandemic, there was lots of companies that were falsely being hyped as having some cure for the virus. And we put out investor alerts warning people that these companies were falsely promoting themselves, and they actually didn't have a cure for coronavirus. And then, of course, the second way that we educate the public is just doing what we're doing right now, going out and talking to uh, investors across the country. And as Ann said, we do that in libraries. We do that in retirement centers. We do that at military institutions. We do it in schools. Uh, we do it in community centers. You know, we will pretty much come anywhere, uh, if feasible, uh, to give a presentation that covers investment, investment risks, investment benefits, and how to spot the red flags of fraud. And as I say, really central to how we get this message out across the country is by working with our 11 regional offices. So they, they are the arms and legs of the agency. If I get a call to come out to somewhere in, in Illinois to do a presentation, you know, most likely I'm going to pick the phone up and call in and say, can you guys do this presentation in Illinois, somewhere in Illinois? So that's how we, you know, work, spread the word. And that's why we're able to reach so many different kinds of communities, because we have offices throughout the country. So the work is never done. And that's why events like World Investor Week are important to remind people. But the work is never done. And I'm sure Ann would agree, the frauds that we see day in and day out at the SEC happen again and again and again. And you read, you read the kind of cases that we bring against people who are violating the federal securities laws. And you see it's the same kind of scam over and over again. So the important thing is for us to get that message out. It's really critical that people understand the red flags of fraud. Before they turn their money over to someone who's trying to scam them, they hear that little ding go off and they realize, ah, that's a red flag. Those people at the SEC told me that that could mean is fraudulent. That's what we want to happen because once somebody turns their money over, despite the great work that people at our agency do, it's really hard to get it back. Thank you, Alan. So shifting over to the protection aspect, Anne, what kinds of things do you do on a daily, I guess, or throughout the year to help protect consumers? Well, I hope that no one listening to the podcast ever ends up across my desk or needs us. It's important to know that the SEC's enforcement division takes in thousands of tips, complaints, and referrals from the investing public every year. And we go through all of those tips and complaints and referrals and then conduct investigations of possible violations of the securities laws. And if we find that someone has violated the securities laws, whether it's stealing investors' money or other misconduct, then we will take an action against them. Some of the things that we work on trying to do is make sure that we can bar bad actors from being in the securities industry so they can't take advantage of someone else in the future. If we find out about something soon enough, 
we can go to court and try to get an emergency asset freeze to at least stop them from continuing to spend the harmed investors' money. As Alan said earlier, we can't generally get your money back for you completely. A lot of times the returns could be like 10 cents for every dollar that you invested. I see our role as both taking care of things once something has gone bad, but you know, when we can, helping Alan's office go out and educate investors so that they don't end up in that situation. Or at least if they do, they can recognize the hallmarks of fraud early and get out or tell us so that we can do something before it's too late. I can't appreciate or express appreciation enough for both what Alan does as preventative outreach and education and advocacy, what Anne you do with protection and enforcement of the law. Because without both aspects, there's it's not a good consumer net, right? Investor protection net. So both are super valuable. And I appreciate as an investor, a consumer myself, what both of you do. Obviously, we are collaborating, the University of Illinois System and Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation on this effort with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission in order to promote World Investor Week. But are there other organizations that the SEC is partnering with to promote kind of World Investor Week right now? Um, yes, there are. And, and Andrew, you really hit that nail on the head. It is critical that we work with and collaborate with, whether it's university systems, other agencies, senior centers, it is critical. Although we have offices throughout the country, as I've mentioned, in order to get into communities, we need organizations that are going to help us interact with individuals. So what you are doing here uh, and others are doing is critical to working with us and getting the message out. And so, yes, what other organizations do we work with? Of course, other federal agencies, sister agencies. So, you know, the, one of the main ones is the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, other other regulators, self-regulators, the North American Securities Administrators Association, or, or NASA, not the NASA rocket one, but NASAA, who are state regulators, the National Futures Association, which is connected to the futures industry. There are so many organizations that we work with, and if those are the ones we're working with principally during World Investor Week, but we work with them all year round as well. And again, what we've learned over the years is that you really have to work with, partner many, many organizations to get into the grassroots level of getting in front of people. So people like to think that the government agencies are all powerful. Well, we have a lot of responsibilities and we need the help of organizations to get us in communities and get our message out. And of course, during World Investor Week, it's sort of a fast in and out to get our message out. But again, we're doing it all, all year round. Thank you, Alan. I agree. It, you can do as much scalable outreach, put as much information on the on websites as you can, good quality information. But without the trust that's associated with community organizations, it's hard to reach individual investors, which is why that partnership is so important. Speaking of scalable outreach, I know we've talked about investor.gov multiple times. It's a really good resource. I use it for investor education, anything I'm unclear about. 
but are there other specific resources or tools from the SEC that you think are particularly exciting or useful to investors looking to make more informed financial decisions or just learn more about investing? I'll jump in and Ann may have others to add. We have a few that I would say are certainly critical. And the first one is our tool to check the background of an investment professional to make sure that they are licensed or registered. It is on the homepage of our investor.gov website. And again, not all people work with financial professionals, but if you do, it really is important that one of the first things you do is check their background to make sure the license are registered. If they're not, that's a red flag that could be a violation of law. And also to check their background to make sure they don't have any red flags in terms of you know what they've been doing out there. Secondly, we put out, as I mentioned, investor alerts and bulletins. Almost on every two weeks or so, when we see something going on uh, in the financial markets that we think investors need to be aware of, such as like when I touched on things that were happening with crypto or things that were happening with the pandemic. We also have some useful calculators like our compound interest calculator or our savings goal calculator. Believe it or not, the compound interest calculator is our most popular page on our website. I guess people like to figure out how their money can add up to at a certain interest rate. Now, the exciting thing about that is that when interest rates were quite low, which is not that long ago, when they were below 1%, our compound interest calculator didn't get you any kind of big, exciting numbers. Now that interest rates have moved up and are somewhere you know, in the 5% range, if you use the compound interest calculator, you can get some projections on numbers that are more exciting. In addition, we've got lots of resources for older Amer- Americans. We have information targeted to students, and we have an investor quiz, which we, we change every month, which can be a lot of fun no matter who you are. And I say the uh, other sort of critical piece of information is our information to help spot the red flags of fraud. And it's just really important that investors get to understand what those are so that they don't get scammed, so that they don't turn over their uh, nest egg to someone who's simply trying to steal it. And did I miss any, anything that you, or you want to add anything? The only other areas I'd add are there are materials that are specifically for members of the military, and there's also a really handy glossary and list of other useful websites that you can use to make sure that whatever information you're relying on makes sense and isn't biased in any way. Investor.gov is not biased towards any particular type of investment. So it's a resource to double check your other sources. Thank you, Alan and Ann. I agree. Nikki and I just recorded a compound interest podcast episode of I think a few weeks ago, and we I'm pretty sure we used your compound interest calculator to talk about our examples. So I am in that statistic of it being heavily used since it's a very valuable tool just to compare your interest options and growth opportunities for wealth building. So I think using a lot of these tools that both Alan and Ann mentioned is very helpful. So how can individual investors financial professionals and educators get involved with World Investor Week? You know, I think one of the best things is to attend an SEC presentation. Or if there isn't a presentation in your area, find another presentation on investing and take the week to look at your finances and refresh yourself. You could look at investor.gov to do that and some of the resources that we just mentioned. Focus on whether your personal portfolio is diversified. 
and take a look again at the fees that you're paying. Make sure you understand what they are. And if they don't make sense, ask some questions. You could also double check that your investment professional is licensed and registered. And then use the savings goal calculator on investor.gov to see if your portfolio is close to where you want it to be, especially in preparing yourself for retirement or future big expenses. And I think Anne actually mentioned this earlier. The other thing you can do to help, would be a help to the, us as the SEC is to let us know if you would like us to come out and make a presentation on investing. Possible we could still do that during World Investor Week, or if not, we could do it another time. Thank you, Alan and Anne. I think those are all great things to do. There's actionable things that individual people can take. Sometimes just taking an effort to know what you have going on is a good first goal, and you can identify future goals because. As we've talked about, investing, wealth building, financial decision making is a lifelong process. It doesn't, it's not like you can just set up your plan and it happens automatically. We got to be engaged with it throughout our lives in different ways. So you've given us so much information today, but are there any other thoughts or comments you'd like to leave with our listeners regarding World Investor Week or the tools that the SEC provides to consumers? I guess these aren't necessarily tools, but I guess I'd like to leave with a couple of thoughts on investing and how important it is really to any investor. And number one would be to, especially if you're younger, to start saving and investing as soon as you can. If you're older and you haven't started, it's never too late, even if it's just small amounts at first. Secondly, everyone who has a job should take advantage of a retirement account if their employer offers one. And by that, I mean a 401k or something similar. If your employer doesn't offer that, see if you can take advantage of opening up an individual retirement account. Sort of repeating something that both Ann and I touched on, it's really important to have a diversified and risk-appropriate investment plan and portfolio. We talked about how that's really important to help get you through the ups and downs in the market. And then last, this is, again, really critical, invest for the long term. Be patient. Don't make investments for fear of FOMO or fear fear of missing out. Long-term investors, uh, we like to call it the slow and steady way. Long-term investors over long-term can make big returns, but you have to be patient and often is over the course of your career. And, you know, don't try to hit a home run. Go for singles. So those are my closing thoughts. And I'd just add, take steps to protect yourself from fraud. Don't invest using a credit card or a gift card or cryptocurrency, or if someone asks you to send a wire overseas, be very, very cautious. Don't be pressured to buy quickly either. No legitimate investment has a ticking clock that makes you make a decision on the spot. Take your time, think it through. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. There's nothing wrong with walking away. Thank you again. Thank you so much for your wise and sage advice for our listeners and for joining us to talk about World Investor Week and the many, many resources for investor education that can be accessed throughout the year, not just for this week or the first week of October, For our listeners, we have 
co-hosted several webinars with Alan and Anne over the past few years, which we will put those in the show notes, as well as several of the tools and resources that have been mentioned. And you can also register for our next investing webinar on February 7th of 2024 called Steps to Investing, What to Know Now. We're going to be be focusing on kind of ways to deal with the risk of market volatility and some of the tried and true ways to invest for the long term that we've talked about in this episode and some of our other investment education efforts. So as always, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share Making Sense of Money on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Spotify.